2: a very good Monday morning to you hoping everybody had a lovely weekend and here we are with our new reality the opening up of the country uh, John Paul is on a day off today so Bernie and Sadie the ladies are taking over taking your calls at 1850 333103 anything you want to share with us we'd love to hear from you you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. and I can also see some emails coming in so don't forget you can always email the programme Patricia at c103.ie. Now today is the day that uh, hundreds of shops are reopening and it's expected that tens of thousands of workers are returning to their jobs today and there is a sense that there is a little bit of nervousness particularly among government and health officials that the spread of the coronavirus could creep up again. Please God it won't and can we wish the best of luck to everybody heading back to work today for the first day, for the fir- the first time in probably, what is it, about two months now? We've been in lockdown and hopefully, hopefully, if we can get it right, it won't be too long until there is a full return to work for all. Today, it is garden centres. You've got your DIY stores opening and golf courses will once again be open for business. And of course, we've got construction workers. They're returning to building sites. It's part of the first major easing of restrictions since the coronavirus uh, crisis first began. In this country. Also, from today, four people from different households. You're finally allowed to meet up outside. It's for the first time in months that that's been allowed. But if you are planning on sometime today meeting up with friends who perhaps you've only been able to connect with over the phone or you've been able to have a Zoom chat with, remember you must still stick to the two metre, the physical distancing. No hugging, no shaking hands, none of that. And if you're going for a walk or you're going to sit in the park and have a little bit of a chat, that two metre physical distance must still remain in place. And you also all have to stay within five kilometres of your home. So that, so if you've got a friend who's 20 kilometres away, you can't meet them yet. Another few weeks away, another three weeks away before you can jump in the car and uh, meet up. But you can, if once it's five kilometres of your home, you could meet halfway if you were just, if somebody, a friend of yours or a family member was 10 kilometres away, you could both jump in the car and uh, meet halfway. The one disappointing one on the golf, the golf course is reopening, and, and you know the golf course i think is a fantastic idea it 's one of those ones you kind of scratch your head and wonder why did they close the golf courses day one because surely golfing is one of the few sports where social distancing is very, very possible, and i know they 're opening up under strict rules and r- rules and regulations today, but you have to live within five kilometers of your golf course, and I was a bit disappointed with that because I felt for golfers. Now, I'm assuming the majority of people do live within five kilometres of their golf course, but there will be other people who won't by the nature of where they live. And again, it's going to be people living in very rural areas. They might be just seven, eight kilometres away from their golf course and it means they can't go into the car, drive the five kilometres to go to the golf course. I was a bit disappointed. I would have thought once they're opening up golf courses, I would have thought the best way to put in the restriction was that the golf course was only open to members of that golf course and that way everybody would have been uh, included. Anyway, that was just one thing that struck me with the uh, golf uh, courses. So there is this sense of worry out there. So they're telling everybody, take it nice and easy, take it nice and handy, go out to your shops if you need to go, go to your DIY stores, go to your garden uh, centres, shop local. Remember that We'll we'll, we'll be pushing. I'm always pushing the mantra but I'm going to be pushing that even further in the coming weeks and months but it's the number of new cases and the reproductive rate of the virus that's what's going to be closely monitored over the next number of weeks Health Minister Simon Harris while he was telling us not to dicky up our houses and I'm still still that just made me laugh when he said it isn't the time to be ticking up our house I don't think I've heard that saying I think it was a saying my great grandmother would have used it's certainly not a saying that you hear that often anyway He is making the point that we're not out of the danger zone. And I think we all accept that. I think common sense will tell us that we're not out of the danger zone. 20,000 people, they reckon, have returned to work this morning in the garden centres, the hardware stores. And of course, there's other retail shops that are allowed to open as well. The phone shops are back open and opticians. But, of course, for the opticians, make sure you make uh, the appointments because they've got a lot of work to do with the physical distancing and all of that but listen they've been working on it and opticians are very very professional people so the staff will well look after you About 150,000 construction workers they reckon are back on, well no they're not all back on sites they've started to trickle back on sites from today. It's going to be a number of weeks I think until we see all of the construction up and uh, running and when I was driving to work this morning I was just trying to keep a lookout to see if I could see saw a couple of guys in work vans that looked like they were heading off to building sites so we we wish them luck because there would be that concern that the construction sites really need to get a handle on the physical distancing and making sure that nobody comes to work who might have uh, symptoms because we know we have a real deep concern about the meat plants around the country. We don't want to move that concern to construction sites so we we need to get the construction sites, the guys back at work but we need to get them back at work safely and make sure that we don't end up with clusters in any of our building sites so they reckon as they say it's going to be over the coming weeks before we have everybody back on the construction site. Simon Harris still urging people. The advice still stands. The best advice is still to stay at home. You can go out for your exercise. You can go out if you need to travel to the shops. But again, they're saying only make those journeys if they're absolutely necessary. Simon Harris cautioned that if the country gets the next few weeks wrong, we are going to end up in real difficulty. He said if we move too fast we will go backwards and we will go the way other countries have gone. And he said he really just cannot allow that to happen. Uh, And he added that it could lead to increased numbers of cases. And then obviously more people losing their lives. And the whole idea here is to save as many lives as possible. And the number of new COVID-19 cases has again fallen to the lowest level, would you believe, since St. Patrick's Day? The National Public Health Emergency Team confirmed 64 new cases of COVID 19 yesterday, and that's taking the total in Ireland now since the outbreak began to 24,112. Sadly, ten more people were confirmed as having died from the virus yesterday. So we now have one thousand five hundred and forty-three people have lost their lives due to COVID nineteen. The HSC is now working to identify any new contacts of the latest cases, so that they can get them tested, and obviously put them into isolation until they're tested and hopefully come back with a negative result. Everything has been done to prevent further spread. And the latest figures are the second day in a row that the number of confirmed cases of COVID-19 has fallen below 100. So fingers crossed that we will get a similar figure today. But obviously, with the opening up of everything today, it won't necessarily be this week The end of this week, I imagine, probably across the weekend, maybe this day next week and then certainly into the second week if there's to be any kind of spikes because of the activity of people out and about across this this week that's when we'll be expecting any of those numbers uh, to go up. Dublin still have the highest number of cases. 49% of all the cases in the country are in Dublin. There are over 11,500 people. Kildare then is the next uh, county they have 6% of the cases at 1,361 and then we here in Cork are next. We are also at 6%. We have 1,350 cases which isn't for the size of Cork City and County. Isn't a lot isn't a lot particularly when you hear of clusters like at the meat plants the one on Watergrass Hill at 120. We're doing well here in Cork. We just need to keep it up and the latest figures come as the HSE also show that the virus is continuing this downward trajectory and long may it continue to go downwards. The senior government sources are saying that uh, that key to Ireland's ability to move through this roadmap of the easing of restrictions will be the reproductive rate. This is the R rate that they talk about. The R rate is currently standing at 0.5. That means that less than one person is on average infected by contact with somebody else. Now there is... Uh, an expectation that that R-rate will rise as the restrictions ease. But once it remains below one, it still means that the virus is being suppressed, even though it will be at a lower rate, even a small rise in that R-rate will have a significant impact in terms of the number of cases. And it would obviously then represent a a serious uh, setback And what we don't need. We don't need our hospitals to be... uh, a spike and then we get this surge. And with all these people turning up in our hospitals, we haven't seen what they've seen in other countries. And may we never ever see those scenes that came out of the ICU. Wasn't it Italy were the first to leave the cameras in? And it was just, I think it shocked everybody to the core. It was in the very early days of cases here in this country. Nobody wanted what we were seeing coming out of Italy to happen here. Thankfully it hasn't happened. We have had people inside in ICUs, but we haven't swamped our ICUs. And the other concern obviously that we have here in Cork that I touched on is to do with the key pack uh, meat plant in Watergrass Hill and the migrant workers that are working there. There, This is a piece in the front page of The Echo with Anne Murphy who actually spoke to us when we brought, when we spoke about this story on Friday. and is writing today that the migrant workers are rejecting the claims that large groups of them are living together. That was the story that really came out of the back end of last week and across the weekend and it, the finger of blame almost was being pointed at the migrant workers saying because they all live together that that has led to the result of the spread of the COVID-19 at the factory. Now it's understood that at least 120 workers Of at the plant there's 650 employees at the plant and at least 120 I even heard that figure was higher at the weekend but let's go with the 120 figure have tested positive for coronavirus and then that is added to the other cases in meat plants around the country there's more than 600 cases of COVID-19 positive coming out of meat plants but some workers who tested negative at the Watergrass Hill plant have decided not to return to work this morning. They are just simply too nervous. They're glad that they haven't picked it up but they're afraid of going in in case they do pick it up and family members of those who have tested positive, they're now being tested and obviously they're awaiting their results and Anne Murphy writing in the paper talks about a Polish partner of one worker who only spoke to Anne on the condition of anonymity. She rejected the social media claims that all of the migrant workers are living together and then under spreading the virus. she said most of the Polish are living with their families, and she said that 's not the case that there' are these group of migrant workers, and there may maybe six or eight of them are all renting a house together. but that is a real ongoing concern both for the workers at the key pack plant but also for the people who live in close proximity to anyone that works in any of those meat plants or who goes into shops where any of those workers need to go and buy their provisions. People are just nervous and people are just uh, worried. Your thoughts welcomes throughout the morning. 1850, 333, 103. Bernie and uh, Sadie are taking your calls. And actually, just let me bring you one email before we go to a piece of music from a listener who says, please uh, don't call out any of my information, which is fine. But it says, hello, my name is Michelle. That's as much information as we're giving, giving you I'm writing to you after seeing a complete disregard of social distancing in Charleville this evening and this email was sent to us on Saturday evening I was coming out of town after doing my weekly essential shop I was driving up the road towards home and I had to pass the local funeral home to get there and I was shocked and frightened by the crowd gathered outside the funeral home. There was at least 50 people or perhaps even more, not one of them was practising so Distancing. I myself am a healthcare worker. I work on the front line. I'm putting my family and my own health at risk every day fighting the war against COVID 19. I was so angry from the sight that I had just witnessed that I decided to ring my local guard station to make sure that they were aware of this situation. I ended up being put through to the Mallow office of Angarda Shia Corner. spoke to a member of Angarda, um, I spoke to a guard about my concerns, and I was told. I wasn't the first to call and that they would pass my message on that they couldn't do anything as it wasn't their area. I don't know why I couldn't get through to my own local guard station. As I was in town before coming up the road to see the crowd gathering, I saw two police cars, one armed response vehicle and a paddy wagon up the main street just driving up and down. Why were they not patrolling the crowd and breaking them up? I get stopped at least twice a day and questioned on where I'm going and coming from when I'm out in the community working. But this crowd seemed to have a huge gathering and nobody was asking what they were doing or to be told that there's a lockdown in this country. Most of the cars, by the way, had English registrations. How did they get to Charleville without being asked as to their whereabouts? Because God knows I can't go from Charleville to Buttleman without being stopped. This is unacceptable and it is a threat to public health. Please don't give out my information. Eighteen It isn't the first that sounds like it was which was a removal of a funeral. It isn't the first that we've heard where some groups of people decide we're going to uh, we're 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 not going to follow the lockdown rules. We know at the moment the restrictions that are in place for funerals, and they're still in place even on phase one that you can't have more than ten people at your funeral, and we know that's causing huge distress for bereaved families because they are religiously sticking to it they're only allowing if there is a funeral mass only 10 they will decide the family themselves which 10 will go into the into the church we know and we have heard of other funerals whereby others have come out to offer their respect and their sympathies but that they were social distance and they line maybe the road to a cemetery as the hearse is passing but this is actually at a funeral home a large group of people standing outside and I'm assuming inside and nothing at all about social distancing and it is frustrating for somebody like our listener Michelle who you know is working out in the community is a frontline worker is already nervous about Getting COVID 19 is doing everything to make sure she doesn't get it or that her family don't get it. And yet she can come across a funeral like this with as large groups of uh, people all standing and nobody's social distancing. It does seem uh, very, very unfair indeed. And as Michelle says, unacceptable. 1850, 333, 103, Sadie and Bernie taking your call. And a listener who just doesn't want me to say which meat factory it is, which is fine. Uh, somebody who works in a meat factory, it isn't the one in Watergrass Hill that we were talking about earlier, uh, where they have the at least 120 confirmed uh, cases says the, the factory where I work they have not even taken anyone's temperature we have quite a few nationalities working here including people from Brazil and please don't anybody say that there is a language barrier because that got suggested last Friday that maybe some of the information on social distancing and self-isolating was lost in translation. This listener says, don't bring up a language barrier because some of them have better English than many of the Irish working there. But this listener saying temperatures are not being checked. Even though I did read there's a worry about using that as a gauge take somebody's temperature to make sure that they, they're not breathing or that they don't have the virus. If you've taken Panadol or Ibuprofen before coming to work, say you weren't feeling well or you had a headache and decided that you take a tablet ta- that can bring down a the temperature. And there's a danger therefore when somebody gets tested to see if th- they won't have a temperature because the medication that they've taken has sur- has brought the temperature down. But anyway, there's a history there. in a different meat plant. I do think meat plants really need to be uh, looked at and looked at uh, very, very very carefully. Okay, some of your WhatsApps in this is on the golf courses. And what I was surprised to hear golf, you can go golfing from today, but you have to live within five kilometres of the golf course where you play golf. I thought that was a bit unfair on some of the members. The listener says, I think, but I'm not 100% certain, but I think. Up to sixty percent of Mallow Golf Club members actually live outside the five-kilometre zone. Which again, yeah, that's my point. They're just—they're not going to be able to go and have their round of golf at a time when people are at home. If you know, they're part of the people who have been temporarily laid off. They have the time to be going out golfing, and with the weather being so fantastic as it has been. It's great, great golfing weather. And John, in Mitchellstown reckons that whole five kilometre rule is very unfair on people who live in the countryside because... They can be five they can be over five kilometers away from most places, even though that rule, if you are living in the countryside and you need to go shopping and you're seven kilometers outside of town, you can go outside of the five kilometers if you need to get to you know your essential service, your shop service a medical appointment or, or whatever but certainly on any of the social side of it, like going for your walks, going for your exercise, now playing golf or playing tennis, it has to be within five kilometers of your home, and yes you're right again it's people living in very rural areas are the ones who are going to be most uh, disadvantaged. And Anna-Marie in Dillons Cross wants to know, can the over 70s go out twice a day now? Well, older people and those who are cocooning should continue to stay at home except for the brief outdoor exercise within five kilometres of their home. It doesn't state, uh, uh, Anna-Marie, how many times you can go out. I mean, obviously, everything has been put in place to protect the people that are over 70s, but I'm sure you wanted to do a brief walk in the morning and a brief walk in the afternoon. I don't think there's anything in the restrictions that say you you are breaching that. But what they are saying to the cocooners when they're going out for those brief walks still keep away from people keep the two metre distance between anyone they are also saying to the cocooners not to head into the shops you're going out just to exercise when the next phase kicks in in three weeks time on June the 8th if everything goes according to plan the next phase is going to allow the over 70s to go shopping and they'll be asking the shops to have designated times for older people but as of now they're saying to to the cocooners to go out and have your exercise but yeah I would see nothing wrong uh, Anna Marie if you wanted to go out for a second walk one in the morning and one in the evening I would see nothing wrong with it uh, at all Eat um, in no I'll leave that one for a second Kay in Lep is very worried with the about the school's reopening which we're going to be discussing in a couple of minutes she doesn't really have any confidence with the school's reopening in September she's very worried that her grandchildren are not going to be as safe. In particular, there is a new baby due in the family and she's afraid that the virus could be carried home to the new baby. Very, very worried uh, indeed. And you're not on your own, Kay. There are a lot of people are worried and nervous and I know teachers are worried and nervous. But then you've got the other side, you've got parents saying, our children need to go back to school. And I was looking over the weekend just to see how other countries are doing it. Most of the other countries that have opened up uh, people are back in school. Now there's strict hand hygiene and trying to do the social distancing. But other schools are doing it. And I suppose people are taking comfort from the fact that if, God forbid, a child picks up COVID-19, many of them don't even realise they have it. They they may not have symptoms at all. I know there's that other worry in a very small number of children, that Kawasaki syndrome—it's like a toxic shock syndrome—that they're now linking to COVID nineteen in children. There's been, I think, there's seven cases in Ireland that are under investigation. That's going to put the fear of God in a lot of parents. But yet, but yes, parents are nervous. But parents are also on the other side saying our children need to get back to, back to school for the children's own mental health as well and parents want them to go back to school and they're you're know, talking about missing uh, education as well but yeah I can see your concerns with the newborn baby uh, in the house and I, can I can I just say the fact that you um, best of luck with your the birth of your new grandchild in the coming weeks you'd have to feel wouldn't you as well for women that are going through pregnancy in the middle of a pandemic I mean, when they go to the hospital it's it's very different. The delivery now is very different. Dads are allowed in for the delivery, but then have to leave the hospital. I was speaking with a neighbor of mine who's who's due a baby in in the coming months, and uh, Dad will be allowed into the delivery room and then half an hour after baby is born, that's it. Dad's out exit stage left, and they're not allowed back to the hospital until they are collecting the baby and see and seemingly outside the cork university maternity hospital most days there's a, a queue of dads holding the car seat and in the car seat babies put in and and then they walk away they're not allowed into the hospital so you know it's it's a different birthing experience and those days afterwards is is very different and i'm assuming then a lot of families when they come home with the newborn baby nobody's coming in to see the baby and the amount of grandparents that have had a new grandchild during lockdown, and they've only been able to see them on a Zoom call or on FaceTime or over uh, Skype. That's, uh, a lot of that is is really really heartbreaking. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp as well to 0862 103 103. Court today on Scene 103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now teachers and school managers are warning that primary school pupils will only be able to return to school part time in the autumn if current social distancing and other public health restrictions are in place. So where does that leave parents who were already Struggling with homeschooling, Labour spokesperson on Children and Youth Affairs, uh, Cork East, or Deputy Sean Sherlock uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning,
0: Patricia.
2: And you're you're welcome to the program. What are your concerns about schools? Do you, Do you think they won't be fully able to reopen in September?
0: I, I'm concerned that they won't be fully able to open in September, and uh, the reason I'm saying that is that uh, on the whole childcare issue, we've already missed one deadline in respect of essential workers not having access to to childcare. That was supposed to have been up and running by the 18th of May, and that hasn't happened. Uh, and if we've missed that deadline in respect of you know the childcare provision, I, I'm fearful that we will miss the deadline in respect of uh, schools opening in September. What, what I'm confused about at present is the fact that uh, the Taoiseach stated the other day that schools could possibly come back in July. But what I'm not hearing from teachers or from the school community, if you will, from principals and uh, and others, uh, we'll say uh from organisations like patrons and so on, patron bodies, is any clear communication from government about what protocols would be put in place, what kind of communication is taking place with the school bodies now in respect of the social distancing guidelines, in respect of teaching, in respect of staff rooms, in respect of collection of children and delivery of children if you will in the morning Yeah it's on.
2: more than just the actual being physically in the school building it's getting the children to and from school is an issue it, in itself it, it,
0: There's a massive issue here because you you take any school in any community you know early in the morning you'll see you know how chaotic it can be uh, and unless you start I would argue that the planning should be taking place as we speak, but I think within the Department of Education, I think the vast bulk of the time over the last while has been taken up with uh, the, the junior cycle and leave insert uh, debacle, if you will. And I, I think the eye has been taken off the ball in respect of putting in place clear protocols around what a September opening would look like. Because the key to this is confidence. Parents need to be confident teachers need to be confident, and children themselves need to feel safe, especially older children who probably have a good understanding of where we're at at the moment. So I would be calling on the department and the minister to, to start communicating you know, clearly uh, to the patron bodies, to the principals about what it is that he intends to do with regard to September. Because if we don't open up that dialogue now in a clear way, it just leads to confusion. And we saw that confusion last week where you know, the, where online chatter just lit up when the Taoiseach said that schools could conceivably come back in July, which was quite a strange statement to make given the schools are normally closed in July anyway. But, uh, you know, it, it needs clarity.
2: And with clarity and also funding, I mean, schools will need, there will be additional costs for school managers here.
0: And this is the point, and the the question then is, what kind of arithmetic is being calculated at the moment to allow for, uh, I use the unfortunate term, the headed payment or the grant per each student, if you will, Uh, will that be increased to take account of the uh, protocols that we see in shops, for instance, where you have, you know, visors and, uh, you know, particular protections put in place in relation to traffic, uh, you know, footfall and so on that you see in supermarkets. So we, we need to be very clear about what the cost will be. And, you know, we have an opportunity this week again in the doll now to continue questioning the Minister for Education about what it is that he proposes to do on this. Because we want to see, if we're talking about today being a milestone in relation to opening up uh, society again, And if you're seeing progress in relation to things like garden centres, garages and hardware stores, you know, a more fundamental issue, I would say, would be the education of children and young people and young adults. And we haven't had clear communications on that yet. And, you know, as opposition people, we're not trying to be populist on this. We want to work with the government, um, you know, to, to see a pathway you know, but it needs to be communicated to us and to the people. That's that's vitally important.
2: And You know, and as you say, we're 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 at phase one, and we've st- we're starting to very slowly open back up the country. But in order to get everybody back into the workplace in the coming weeks and months, I mean, surely the government really needs to be prioritizing prioritizing the safe reopening of the childcare sector.
0: Well, absolutely. And you I made much play in relation to the fact that I believed that the providers couldn't sign up to the scheme that the Minister devised in relation to essential workers for children to be cared for in the home, because it was just fraught with difficulties. But I touched on this in our last interview, at the back end of our last interview, Patricia, where I said that we're now facing a crisis for working women in particular, where where working women, and no matter how progressive a society we think we are, and there'll be a lot of male listeners out there at the moment saying, you know, I'm mucking in and I'm rolling up my sleeves, but where you have working women in the home, the evidence shows that the vast bulk of domestic and childcare still falls to women, and it falls to them in a way that they have to maintain their careers as well. And there is a worry now for working women that career progression is being stulted by the fact that we don't have a child care mechanism in place. So if the next milestone is the 28th of June, what I'd be hopeful for is that we would have a scenario whereby, you know, parents have a very clear uh, protocol in place for their children to go back into the early year sector, that providers have confidence. Again, parents have confidence. But, we, but if they've already missed it, a deadline on that one, then you'd have to say objectively that one's confidence in their ability to put in place an infrastructure by the 18th of June is probably diminished at this stage by by dint of the fact that they've already missed one deadline. So, but again, this week we'll have an opportunity to to question the Minister on the next phase of opening up uh, the early years sector. And I know Mm -hmm. of no providers at present who are absolutely confident... That they could open up their facilities again because the guidance coming from government is virtually non-existent, and I would also contend that there are, you know, there's the, the what I call the umbrella bodies representing uh, earlier the earlier sector. They need to be consulted with. They need to be at the table because it's not enough for uh, the minister and her own officials. Uh, to be, you know, uh, talking to each other, if you will. I think, for me, the ideal scenario would be for the representative bodies of the earlier sector to be sat at the table in in the public health emergency team, for instance, or having conversations with the HSE, for instance, around what the opening
2: up of the sector oh, would look like. Yeah, and, and we have to get it back up and running or we won't open up other uh, sectors of society because people won't be able to get back to work if they can't have their children looked uh, looked after. And that's just one, one other issue that's uh, actually, it's come in to us today by an email that I haven't read out yet yet on air, but it's, it's quite a lengthy e- email just outlining how difficult it is for a family in the North Cork uh, area whose daughter has special needs. She's a young adult attending uh, St. Joseph's Foundation and the fact that she's been at home and how difficult it it, it has been. And it is a cohort of people that isn't getting a lot of attention, uh, Sean. Children and adults with special needs who are at home, in some cases with elderly parents trying to look after them.
0: It's a sector that has, I would argue, and I don't want to be too verbose about this, but that they've been virtually abandoned in all of this. And one of the areas that we're working on at the moment, for instance, which might alleviate some of the pressure is the issue of July provision. That's on the educational side. But again...
2: But that'll only be for children and only for... for, It's not all special needs children get July provision.
0: Indeed. And in tandem with that or in lockstep with that, again, what you need are the providers, uh, the... We say the St. Joseph's Foundations, the, you know, the, all of the various organisations, they need to be, there needs to be a process where they can sit down with government. And those processes are not in existence at present, because everything from a policy point of view in relation to the lockdown seems to come through the prism of the National Public Health Emergency Team. The scope of that team needs to be widened to ensure that you don't have scenarios such as the one that you've articulated in relation to that family, where you have older people looking after older adult children who don't have access to -to day-to-day services. We We need to hear from government about what the pathway is for everybody in society to go back to some degree of normality, even if that means, Patricia, you know, a couple of hours a week to begin with or one day a week to begin with or opening up residential services, you know, rather than saying everything is just an absolute lockdown, you know, that you begin the process of giving families a little bit of relief. A couple of hours to begin with and staging that upwards because even the couple of hours... And
2: I think even if if people knew that there was some pathway or some date. Because, I mean, we have this roadmap, you know, and people are already talking about oh, on the 20th of July I can can go and get my hair cut. Uh, A completely silly thing. Uh, But they already know they have a date in their head. I think for these families, it's the unknown. I mean, I I can see another text coming in saying, could you ask Sean, is there any approximate time for returning, especially it's adults attending Monday to Friday in Cope? Is there any funding coming uh, to help their their return? So there's so many groups. There'll be co-action down in, in West Cork, Enable Ireland, Rehab so many groups. Has it been spoken about at all in the talks? you know?
0: Uh, not, not to any great extent. Just at the very start of this there was a, you know, in terms of questions to the Taoiseach, it, they were points that are raised but we didn't really receive any great answers. But I think the people that are contacting your show now is prompting me to raise this internally with my own colleagues to say that I think that this week, I think we need to elevate this as an issue in terms of questioning the Minister for Health and questioning uh, the Taoiseach in relation to those providers. For
2: okay. And you know, well, please do that and come back to us and we'll certainly chat with you again on that issue. Okay. Okay, I've okay. got to leave it there. Sean, listen, thank you for that. Thank and you for uh, sure. thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, Labour Doll Deputy Sean uh, Sherlock. I will bring you that... That email that's come in uh, from that listener in North Cork about her special needs uh, daughter um, and, and my thanks to that lady for, for contacting us. She obviously wants to remain anonymous which is fine but I, but I will bring it to you but I've just seen, it's just popped up on my news feed, that grandparents can take distance walks with children The Minister for Health, Simon Harris, says if you live close, that's if you're within the five kilometres, walks can happen with grandparents and their children as long as they're social distancing. So no holding hands or anything like that. But if you live within five kilometres, he's saying older people can see their grandchildren. 1850 333 103.
1: You're listening to Cork
0: Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Cork today on
1: C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment.
2: 086 2103 103. And we had a text in earlier from a listener in West Cork saying, When will chiropodists reopen? Uh, Well, Sadie's rang around a few chiropodists, and actually, some of them have reopened today. It seems to be an individual choice. So I'd suggest to the listener put a call through to your chiropodist to the one that you have been using uh, to see if he or she has reopened and if that one isn't opened. I maybe check in with your doctor to see if they would know of a chiropody service that is open. Because a lot of those services, well, if it was an emergency, obviously they were able to able to do with this. But there are a number of the chiropodists has reopened from today. But as I say, I don't know in the West Cork area. Uh, if anybody knows of a chiropodist back up and running, we have a West Cork listener obviously in need of some chiropody services. 1850 333103 Sadie and uh, Bernie are taking your calls. You can text our uh, WhatsApp us as well to 0862 103, 103 We'll catch up with your calls and comments uh, coming in. And also in the next hour, we're going to check in with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul just to see how they're getting on. And I'm assuming that they're much busier with this pandemic, with more people out of work at the moment but also I'll, I'll ask because we keep every now and again getting calls and texts in asking when will the charity shops reopen and a lot of people like the, the Vincent de Paul charity shops Vincent's isn't that, and they're caught. they have a lot of large charity shops so we'll try and find out when they're going to reopen Thank you to Margaret who's asked me to mention that St John the Baptist Churches in Ballyclaw And Kilbrin Parishes will be open to the public for two hours every day from today, Monday, May 18th. Ballyclaw will open from now 11am to 1pm and Kilbrin will be open from 12 noon until 2pm. Um, okay that's the John the Baptist Church Ballyclaw and Kilbrin and every day it isn't for mass it is for private prayer and most I'm not. I'm slow to say all most of the churches are starting to reopen today for private prayer we discussed this last week on the programme but you would have to check in with your individual church I'm assuming they've put signs up over the weekend at the door of the church to let you know that the time that it's opening there'll be stewards inside in the church there'll be good hand hygiene going on and all of that but I know certainly that is welcomed news for a lot of people who've missed that just popping into the their local church to say a quick prayer light a candle or whatever so it is happening from today but as I say you need to check in with the individual church because it's not just going to be a case that the doors will be open all day long because they have to monitor it they have to have somebody in the church you know with to disinfect it and to make sure that people are social distancing and all of that. So there's one that we or two that we now know of, Ballyclaw and Kilbrin. Ballyclaw from 11 until 1 and Kilbrin from 12 noon until uh, 2. And that's the, they're the hours that for now that it will be every day for both of those uh, churches. Now, I want to get to a letter that we got into the programme that I just touched on briefly. And I, the reason I brought it up with um, Deputy Sean Sherlock was the hope that he might pick up on it and bring it to the doll and get somebody to talk about it in the do- in the doll because it's a group of people who are these are special needs children and adults who are at home many of them cocooned uh, through no fault of their own they can't move outside the door they can't go anywhere with their special needs uh, children and they're finding it extremely difficult because the special needs schools are closed along with all of the other schools but the day services for the adults have also just literally overnight closed and it's very difficult for a lot of these special needs children and adults to understand. It's very hard to sit down and explain to a non-verbal child what coronavirus is and COVID-19 and why your school or your day, your day service, why it's suddenly gone. They have no understanding of it at all and it's leading to... Some challenging behaviours and it's the parents that are at home are left to pick up the pieces and try to try to deal with it. So we got this letter in this morning from a couple who wants to remain anonymous, which is fine. We we do have their full name, but it says to whom we may concern. Our daughter has special needs. Over the last two months, we have all been living a very different life, some more difficult than others. We have all accepted the best advice from the experts to keep ourselves, our family and friends safe. The government have done their best to look after our young, our students and our workers. We feel as parents of an adult with special needs that they have failed to acknowledge this very vulnerable group of people. Even in their roadmap of phasing out restrictions, there is not one mention of this sector, which I now call the forgotten. I understand... They come under the umbrella of schools, but you cannot compare a primary or a secondary school student with a special needs student or an adult service user. We as parents would be failing our daughter who needs 24 hour care if we did not speak up for her. It is not possible for anyone to understand what it's like to care for or live with a child or adult with special needs unless you have experienced it. It is impossible to explain to others what it is like. With our daughter's structure, routine and familiarity all vital. Since the age of two, she's been attending St Joseph's Foundation in Charleville, being collected by taxi or by bus in the morning and returned home every evening, Monday to Friday. Our daughter was ready every morning, looking out for her bus, very excited as it arrived. She's built up a relationship with all of the drivers and the carers, all of whom we consider friends. Now, all of a sudden... Her whole life has been pulled out from under her. It breaks my heart to see her every morning looking out the window, waiting for the bus, the bus that does not arrive. Unfortunately, she cannot understand what is going on. This pandemic has had a major effect on our family. Our daughter's anxiety levels have soared. Her behaviour has become unpredictable and her eating and sleeping patterns have deteriorated. As well as this, her medication has been increased but with limited effect. We've worked very hard over the years to get our daughter to where she was. For the first time, she was completely settled in a lifestyle and in a routine. Her medication was under control. She was happy with her place in St. Joseph, eating properly and getting on great with all of the staff, carers and other friends in her unit. Now we are looking and dealing with a broken girl, mentally and physically constantly wondering if she'll ever get back to where she was We are in continuous contact with St Joseph's Foundation who have been doing everything they can to help us through this crisis while following HSC guidelines We have secured help at home but it does not fill the void that was left following the closure of the day services. We need reassurances that as soon as it is possible her services will be reinstated to their full capacity We feel the carers and staff in these services are highly qualified and trained professionals and are far more than capable of putting practices in place to follow guidelines and ensure a safe environment for staff and for service users. These staff are working on a limited basis at the moment, so let them get back to what they do best and look after the forgotten, our children and adults with special needs. If we do not act now, We'll have a much bigger problem down the line and sincerely that's signed by a mum and dad of a special needs daughter and well done for speaking out and I think you are right. I do think in the midst of all of this they are the forgotten group. I mean the only other time I've heard any parents come out and get any kind of a platform in which to speak has been on Joe Duffy. There's been a few heartbreaking uh, stories come out on, on Joe Duffy particularly of children and children on the autism spectrum who are really finding this all very different not to have school and not to have their their day services, as I say. I did raise the issue with Sean Sherlock and um, we'll see how Sean gets on. He's going to try and raise it at doll level. But that mum who writes that letter is right. When you go through all the easing of the COVID-19 restrictions, be it from phase one, you know, right through to uh, phase five, there isn't any specific mention of children with Special needs, and I don't think I think that listener is right. I don't think they can just be lumped in with the school sector. And especially when the schools reopen, the daycare services will reopen uh, as well. So, uh, thank you for to that listener for that uh, letter. It is it's quite heartfelt, and it's it's tough on the parents as well. And the, but of course, the big danger an issue we have spoken about is what if the carers get sick? What what happens then? What if the carers have to isolate? What if, God forbid, the carers ended up in a hospital? It really is an issue that needs to be uh, addressed. 1850 333 103. Let me go back to some of your texts that are coming in in the relation to opening of childcare and schools. A couple of people on uh, about that. Uh, Hi Patricia, here in Ireland we must look at what other countries are doing in relation to the opening up of childcare facilities in schools. This coronavirus pandemic is new to every country in the world and we must learn from each other and also seek the advice and the expertise from the World Health Organisation and that is from Anne and that really is what the government are doing we're taking a very cautious approach uh, to it all but we are listening to the World Health Organisation and we are taking on board anything the World Health Organisation says Mary says Hi Patricia hope you were well with regard to children returning to school and all of the concerns that go with it I saw on the RTE news news, where a company from County Monaghan has produced some kind of an antiviral door handle, plus an air purifying system which kills any airborne bacteria. These were being installed in schools in the area. Surely these would be essential for all of our schools. I'm not sure if schools would have to fundraise to pay for these uh, items but I'm sure if they did there'd be good support as our children's health is very important to us parents. Uh, That's coming in from uh, Mary. Thank you for that, Mary. Hi, Patricia. Schools simply have to reopen in September. Mothers and fathers are literally pulling their hair out trying to do homework and this homeschooling. It is not fair on parents and it's not fair on the children. They've missed three months of learning. Get the children back to school. If shops and other places can open today, what is wrong with our schools reopening? All the government are thinking of is how much money they can take from the people of this country. When are we going to see change of government? I voted for at change where we know we've got government negotiations going on at the moment. I don't know if it's going to be the change that you were looking for. But certainly at the weekend, when we wrapped up this programme on Friday, it looked like we would Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens. But then there was a bit of a debacle over the weekend when it turned out Fianna Gael had civil servants looking at how could they run an election. Could that election be a general election? Have all bucked when they heard that? I know they're meeting today. Leo Verikor and Mihol Martin and Eamon Ryan. I think we're all sitting down today. So will more come out from that? I don't know. We're going to have to just wait and see. Okay. Some more of your texts coming in. Eileen says, "Patricia, is it okay to buy and to eat the meat from those meat factories where there has now been?" COVID-19 positive testing as if somebody sneezed or coughed on the meat while in the packaging process or on the packaging would it not spread to the community through purchase of these products I think advice from Neffet or Dr Tony Hulan should be given on this thanking you says Eileen I did watch a piece from America, America were one of the first meat plants where they started noticing a lot of cases of uh, COVID-19 and I did hear an expert on talk exactly about the issue Eileen that you have raised and this expert that was on was saying no there would be little or no chance of uh, the virus landing on the meat or on the packaging and then going out into the community and he was saying if even if God forbid somebody sneezed on top of the, the meat uh, by the time it got to you the chance of the virus being alive would be very slim but even if it was the virus was there the cooking out of the meat once you start to cook the meat uh, they, they would be killed off even even if it was on it and if it was on the packaging we know what we're all told to do when we come home from shopping the latest advice is we don't have to wash down all of our products even though some people I know are still doing that but you pack your shopping away and then you wash your hands and, and of course obviously we're all getting used to the washing of the hands any time that you would then remove something from a package before you'd actually handle it you wash your hands and all of that so no you don't have any real concerns on that will Tony Houlihan come out on it who knows Uh, maybe he will and a different Mary says Patricia when will the homeware shops start to open the homeware shops all thought that they were going to open today but of course that was when we heard it isn't time to buy curtains or to key up our houses so the homeware shops have not opened looking at the road map and if the roadmap goes according to plan the next easing of restrictions is going to happen on the 8th of Of June and the 8th of June says small retail outlets can reopen with a small number of staff on the basis that the retailer could control the number of individuals and staff and customers that interact with them. So if you have a small homeware shop, but homeware shops, by their very nature, the fact that most of them sell furniture are large stores so I can't see them the, the, any of the large homer shops can't reopen on the 8th of June so then we need to go to phase 3 which is the 29th of June again this is with relying everything going according to plan and that there isn't major spikes and the R number doesn't go up on the 29th of June is the opening of all other non-essential retail outlets it'll be phased in on a basis of restriction on the number of staff and customers per square metre on the shop and it will also be limited to retail outlets with a street level entrance and exit and does not include those in enclosed uh, shopping centres. So if it's a hardware shop that's on the main street and a street level it'll open on the 29th of June. Mary, that's as much information as I can uh, give you. Obviously Mary is in need of something from a homeware shop that she desperately needs to get in to get to, to get in and buy. OK, hi Patricia. Here is another lockdown effect another lockdown knock-on that is certainly having effect on jobs. It is with regards to the continued lockdown with the testing of people who want to get tested for a provisional driving licence. My son had a provisional driving test booked for the morning after the major lockdown last March. This test was cancelled and also the following four provisionally booked tests have now also been cancelled. My complaint is why did they not keep those who had applied for a test in that month of March listed to a priority to be the first places for testing when they eventually do reopen up the test centres for driving tests. What has happened when you lose your test date? You then have to scramble from start along with everybody else to secure a date to be tested again. This leaves you with a wait of at least two months. To get a test date, jobs in the agri sector, which is seasonal, like cider making with contractors, are going to be lost. Thanking you, that's from John. That actually tomorrow we're going to be dealing with the whole issue of learner drivers and driving tests. And particularly with Shane Ross coming out of the weekend, Shane Ross was asked about the driving tests and in particular, would there be any easing of the provisional drivers, the learner drivers on a learner permit being allowed to drive without a fully licensed driver? And he was adamant. He said, absolutely no way. The laws are there. The rules are there. A learner driver has got to have a fully licensed driver with them at all times and he had no sympathy, no understanding for people who can't take their test. But John, you raise an issue that just really does seem jolly unfair, that people who had their tests cancelled, I would have assumed they were holding all those tests and when they reopened, they were going to be the first group. I was unaware that that's happening. That really does seem very, very unfair indeed. As I say, we will be dealing and talking about this issue tomorrow in the programme. If anybody else has a story to share with us for somebody on a learner permit who was just about to go for the test or who needs the driving licence and how are they being disadvantaged because they can't get access to a test in order to get a full driver's licence Your thoughts welcome to 1850 333103 Test or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 jobs. Domestic and commercial electricians are wanted it's for a new build home and commercial units it's in the Cork area you need to have an up-to-date safe pass Staff nurse wanted for Grange Con Nursing Home that's between Blarney and Ballancolic While Home Care Direct, they're recruiting experienced carers and professional assistants. It's for all areas in Cork. And Irish Yogurts, which of course is based in Clonacilty, they are recruiting an accounting technician. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And I've just spotted a text in from a listener when we're talking about everybody you know the shops that have reopened and saying let's hope everybody abides by the rules and regulations and that we do it nice and easy and that people don't go absolutely mad and people remember social distancing and all of that a listener says hi Patricia give it a few weeks and we will be back to square one my husband had to pick something up from a hardware shop this morning for work he said the shop was full and he said people would not keep been their distance. There was no social distancing going on at all. That really is uh, worrying. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Yeah, we had a, we had a message in from uh, one of our listeners. In well, it's a listener who is currently. Cocooning in the bantry area is with a, a, is staying with a family member for the duration of the pandemic, so when they're normally in their own house, they 're able to listen over the radio, but the area that they're in they need to the reception isn't great unfortunately, so they need to listen to us via the internet and very occasionally the listener says over the last while there's been intermittent internet connection problems. But this morning he said absolutely hopeless. Um, He said uh, trying to get online this morning and I'm having the infernal beach ball all over the screen which is really really uh, frustrating. So much for the pathetic efforts of the so-called government to keep good communication to exist in these modern times. Yeah I am very always very aware that there are pockets of where we broadcast to where we don't have good internet connectivity. And it was one of the things with the homeschooling when we were looking at homeschooling and when last week when we were talking about teachers and some people were giving out that teachers weren't doing enough and we had teachers defending themselves saying that they're working flat out but the teachers themselves would have to accept that they can be doing stuff over the internet with their students but there were some children Went home from school when the schools closed and they live in an area where they don't have any broadband. How how long have we waited for decent and proper rural broadband? How many interviews over the years have we done on rural broadband and the lack of proper broadband? And it's only when you went, I mean, if we only get a pandemic, hopefully, it's only ever going to be once in 100 years. But and when we need to use technology, it really has shown that there are areas where people are just completely disadvantaged because they don't have decent uh, broadband. Other areas have terrific uh, broadband. And actually, that's an area we're going to be dealing with next because we're going to give advice to older people who are battling with technology uh, through this pandemic. Call today mm-hmm. on C103.
1: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment.
2: 086 2103 103. Now, with older people still being asked to cocoon except being allowed out for their daily exercise within the five kilometres Zone. The need to stay in contact with friends and loved ones is all the more important. Technology is proving to be a must in staying connected, but technology can be daunting for some elderly people. So joining me this morning to outline help that is available is John Sheehy, who is a volunteer with a group called COVID-19 Tech. And uh, John Sheehy joins me. Good morning to you, John.
3: Hello, Patricia. Good morning. How you're, are
2: you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, you are, as I mentioned, you're a volunteer and you're a group of volunteers. How did this group come together?
1: Well,
3: basically, when this lockdown started, uh, it became obvious that uh, all the people, of which there are many thousands in Ireland, were uh, in complete isolation. And um, they did need some support with their IT Requirements, so a group of people got together and decided we should help. And uh, it was just a, 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 one guy pushed it forward, a guy called John Harrington. And then it picked up from there, and everybody else came on board.
2: And have you volunteers from all over the country?
3: We have volunteers from all over the country, from north, south, east, and west. Um, and we cover the complete island of Ireland. The only requirement is that you're an elderly person, and uh, that's it, basically. Need and, some help.
2: and are you all tech experts?
3: That's really. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 um, the profile varies uh, across the board. I myself, for example, uh, while I am close to being an older person, okay. um, I have 40 years in the IT industry. My okay. experience is about 40 years in the IT industry. So, but some of us would be uh, less experienced in the industry, but are still of great value, you know.
2: And I suppose more than anything, it's patience,
3: it does a little bit of patience involved, but but, uh, surprisingly, a lot of older people are quite intelligent on the IT stuff, you know? I mean, I've had calls with people who can uh, do the stuff as long as you can guide them through it, you know, so it's not that difficult.
2: Absolutely, and listen, over the years, John, I would have dealt with and spoken to people, silver surfers, people who took to technology like a duck to water.
3: Exactly, and my own background is I have been in... uh, working with Age Action for about four years now, teaching IT to older people. Of course all that that was one-to-one and classroom environment, but of course all that stopped at the beginning of March when lockdown came into place and uh, we just moved over. I personally just moved over to this activity and it's pretty much the same thing. I think it's probably a little bit more difficult in that you can't see what you're doing, but other than that, it's fine. It works yeah, up well. yeah.
2: You know, and, and you know, you're know, you right. There are lots of older people who are, you know, whizzes at, at technology and don't need any help at all. But what, what no. your services is aimed at are the cohort of older people who didn't get into technology, didn't pick it up, and suddenly now have a great need for it.
3: Exactly, and they might have which for example, they just used to make um, voice calls and now they want to see their relatives and their friends, so we try and set them up with applications that allow them to do that. I mean, a typical example of that is setting up WhatsApp for them, which is actually quite simple and they get onto it very quickly. I've had multiple examples of doing that.
2: So just explain how the service operates.
3: We have a contact number. There is a contact number which you can use, which people can call into. And that contact number, it's a double number. It's 019633288. So people just need to call that number. The service is completely free. We offer a free time, and it runs from 8 in the morning to 8 at night. The volunteers themselves operate three, four-hour shifts each day. And uh, once they call that number, somebody will pick up the call for them.
2: So that's the, that's the helpline number And we'll give that number out again If people want to get pen and paper ready So you ring the helpline I, I need a bit of advice I need a bit of help And I'm assuming John No question too big No question too small And no question too silly
3: Absolutely We've had all sorts of questions They range from uh, Is my car going to suffer Because it's been sitting in the drive For <laughs> six weeks
2: Can Can oh, you help right. with that as well? Well, we
3: can advise them generally, <laughs> but I'm
2: not a mechanic,
3: you know. Okay. <laughs> but uh, right through to the highly technical stuff where they've had some problems with their Wi-Fi or their routers or something like that in the house and of course with the technical ability to get through the stuff, you know. But it's all, it's, we can, and some people just ring up for a chat and that's, that's fine as well. Okay, you know? well I mean, done, well nice, done. Nice
2: and what's the, what's the most common type of questions you're getting?
3: The most common type of question is really setting up video calls and, and video applications so that they can talk and see their relatives or friends. That's really the most common. So you're talking about with the WhatsApp applications of this world, or Skype, or FaceTime, if you're not those platforms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and those are the most
2: common. Yeah, and Zoom has taken off, hasn't it, like mad for a lot of people?
3: Zoom has taken off, yeah. Zoom has taken off as well, and that's another example. Although, there are multiple examples of of what you can set up, and all of which are well pleased to set up on smartphones or tablets or PCs and so on. You know?
2: And the thing is, a lot, of, a lot of people have a smartphone, whether they've been using it as a smartphone or not. It's not even that they need to go out and buy a new piece of technology.
3: Exactly. Um, and unfortunately, probably they haven't used it to the full extent. And we just provide help in extending their capability and using the smartphone, Video calls, as I said, you know.
2: yeah. So you'll ring the person and then talk through however long it takes to go through. This is what you press this button, you t- press that button. It can be as simple as that.
3: Exactly. Call out what you see on the screen to me. Okay. Select X and select Y and take it there. I've had calls which lasted from five minutes to. One hour and fifty minutes, I think, was my oh, longest,
2: well and it was done. great.
3: I mean, it was probably well. a bit of a chat with the person as well. You know,
2: well done, well done. And technology, John, it is proving, isn't it, to be the key to keeping people connected.
3: It's really proving it's work now at this stage. You know what I mean, it's had probably in the past it had some negative uh, perception, of course, uh, it, the positive perception is really beginning to pull through at this stage, especially in keeping people in contact
2: with going on. You know? Yeah, I was yeah. reading on the paper. today the contact tracing app. Is that going to be a big game changer?
3: Um, I'm not sure how big it is, and there are privacy concerns associated with that. But if people accept it, and I think people are very accepting, it will be a significant game changer because it will be much easier for people who are doing contact tracing to uh, to achieve the result that they need, given the phone app. Plus, the user will be able to uh, figure out whether they have been in. Contact with somebody who has just had suffered from COVID, and yeah, yeah. such so on. You know, so yes, it will be a big change. But um, the prob- there are probably some privacy issues that do need to be worked out at this
2: stage. Yeah, even though I problem. was I was reading today, I think they they were saying something like. or 85% of people were saying that they would have no problems signing up. I think people see the bigger picture and I'd prefer to get a call saying you've been in contact with, you were in the presence of somebody who's tested positive for COVID-19. I think I'd prefer to get that call rather than wait around for the symptoms.
3: Exactly, exactly. You know, you have to be practical in these situations, you know, and uh, there's a greater good involved. So we okay. have to line up the match.
2: Okay. So listen, well done to you and the rest of the uh the technical staff on the COVID nineteen tech. You sound like you're enjoying it, John.
3: Yes, I'm actually enjoying it. I, what I said I have a background in the age action and, and telling technology to those people. And uh it's just a continuation of that and I've always enjoyed social contact associated, even though it's on the phone at the moment only. Yeah, because, uh, yeah. I do enjoy I do enjoy it. And um it's great to hear people's stories and where they and stuff like that.
2: Brilliant, brilliant. And of course, Age Action are the ones that do the Silver Surfer Awards, don't they? They do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. oh, all right, listen, keep up the good work, uh, John. I'll give out that number again, but thanks a million for joining us and talking to us on the programme today. And thank you, Patricia, for Good morning to you. Dear. Yeah, Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. John Sheehy there, one of the volunteers for COVID-19 Tech. If you, you are a loved one, Maybe your parents, grandparents, if you think they could do just a little bit of help, they might have some questions and sometimes they prefer to talk to somebody. I mean, it's older people are the tech experts. I think that peer to peer support can sometimes be better. You know, if we're dealing with our own parents, or our own grandparents, frustrations might set in. Mammy or Daddy or Granny or granddad might think, oh, that's too stupid a question to ask. Or I didn't understand when somebody was ex- was explained to me by a family member. You know, you don't want to be bothering them. Whereas here's a group of volunteers who seem to have time on their hands as well. And they're more than willing to help out. So it's a doubler number. This is the helpline number. So a doubler number 963-3288. That's 01-963-3288. You ring that helpline. You pass on your details to them and then one of the volunteers will ring you. And that number is actually available uh, eight to eight every day. Isn't that fantastic? Again, just another example of frontline heroes they are coming in all different guises and people volunteering and helping out and doing their bit. That really is absolutely uh, terrific. Well done to everybody involved there in COVID-19 tech. Miriam Castlecourt has been on to us to say she's found a cat. It's a tabby cat she has uh she uh she can't find him as no i I'll have to get that sorry I've just misread that and I don't know if she's lost the cat or found the cat because shes you no know, she can't she can't find him or oh she can't keep him my apologies sorry if I read it properly she can't keep him and she's got arthritis he's described as a very friendly cat okay so that's a tabby cat Castlecore area of Mallow Oh eight six eight six one three one two three. if you think that's your tabby cat 086 I don't know if I've mentioned uh, it is Monday of course it's Monday <laughs> I've met that Annalise Dracel our nutritional therapist will join us as she does every Monday after half past 12 today so if you have a question for Annalise feel free to get it in Bernie and Sadie are taking your calls at 1850 333 103 or you can text or WhatsApp in a question to 086 uh, 2103 103 and this is just in from the news department that at Anglesey Street have confirmed there has been a fatal road traffic accident on the N22 uh, near the ovens bar outside Ballancolic. Emergency services have been attending the incident and it will necessitate a road closure in the area. The accident happened at about quarter past eleven this morning. No other details are available at the moment but road users are being advised to take an alternative route. God help some family. Getting a very distressing uh, phone call or call from the uh, guardy, uh, thinking about the person whose life has been lost, and, and we think about their family as well. Shocking, shocking. Okay, that's on the N22 near the Ovens Bar outside Ballincollig. As I say, does necessitate a road closure. Please take alternative uh, route. Other calls into the program just on the chiropodist and podi- podiatry services. The First of all, the Institute of Chiropractors have, have issued a statement saying that since the lockdown, their services, chiropathy and podiatry services have been exempt from premises closure, even though most of them have been closed but they've been allowing for emergencies so today is the first official day that they are open but they're following guidelines and someone was on to us because the initial listener who contacted us was from West Cork and Miriam is in the podiatry clinic in Bandon and Miriam has been on to say their service is restricted to emergencies uh, so only one person is allowed in the building at any one time. There is strict, obviously, social distancing. Today is their first day starting back up. You have to phone in advance. Private and public practices are all under the HSE and they have, st- they have to stick to very strict uh, guidelines. So, yes, yeah, so I think the advice that I gave earlier to the listener is just to contact their local chiropodist or podiatrist, whoever they go to, and just find out what time they're open for business they, uh, etc and make an appointment again that is a service where it's impossible to be proper completely physically distanced from the person when the actual work, work needs to be done it's like going to the dentist it's just it's our new normal unfortunately at the moment and can anyone tell us please for Sean in North Cork wants to know no it's not Sean in North Cork it's somebody else somebody else wants to know is they're looking for Argos is Argos opened Jerry sorry Jerry in Cork was on he needs a new Bluetooth these new Bluetooth headphones, and he wants to know if Argus and Blackpool is open. They're not answering the phone. In fact, the fact that they're not answering the phone, I take it that they're not open. They wouldn't have been one of this to essential services, and they're certainly not a hardware uh, store. Uh, so, no, I would I would assume that they're not open anywhere else where you can buy uh, Bluetooth headphones. The phone shops are open, so you would probably be able to get it. Would you Would you, they do headphones inside in some phone shops, too, if you try any of the local Phone shops because they're back in business from today. There's lots of calls and comments coming in, and I can see ones coming in for Annalise. So, can you keep those coming in, please? Annalise Driscoll, our nutritional therapist. She'll join us after half past uh, 12, and hopefully, we'll get to answer as many of your questions as possible. Hi, Patricia. I'm wondering, uh, does anybody know if Mallow GAA is open to the public? It is within our five kilometre rule for walking but it has been closed. Now we've tried to put a call through but obviously the GAA centre itself is closed so I'll do a shout out. Anyone from Mallow GAA is there access to the public so that they can go and do their exercise uh, around the pitch? If somebody from the GAA can let us know about that please. And someone else says, Patricia I thought that the phone shops were due to be open today, not one is open in Mallow. Again a lot of this is going to be individual choices on behalf of the shops but yes phone sales repairs and maintenance services for the home they're all under that group along with office projects and services electrical and IT and phone sales all due to reopen today but it doesn't include homeware stores why your particular phone shop that this listener says none of the phone shops in Mallow are open today. Uh, maybe they're going to ease back into it during the week keep a keep a check on it over the week but they are allowed, they are part of the list of retailers that are allowed to open from uh, today the 18th of May so just maybe keep an eye on it and, and see. I have no uh, I don't know why it, the particular shops have not reopened, but certainly as part of the lifting, the easing of phase one, they are included in the list of retailers that can open from today. And Catherine in Mallow says, Patricia, could you tell me when some bed shops and hairdressers are due to reopen? I can't wait to top up my tan and also my hair needs to have a trim. Thanking you, Catherine in Mallow. The 20th of July for the hairdressers and the beauticians and the the sunbed salons. Uh, So the 20th of July, you've got uh, another bit of a a wait. You have about a two-month wait on your hand. What our hair is going to look like at the end of all of this. I don't know. All right, a couple of people are reacting to that email that I received from the couple who were talking about their adult daughter with special needs and the fact that her day services at St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville is closed. And just talking about how difficult life is for their daughter because she's no understanding of why the bus isn't coming every morning to collect her and then for the parents trying to cope with it. A couple of people reacting to that I was listening to your program about that lady struggling with her special needs daughter. I understand completely how she feels as I myself am in the same situation. My daughter is 21 and at present we've absolutely no help at all. Every day is a struggle. She wants to be out and about in the car doing different things. I don't drive myself so I'm dependent on my husband to take us out but he's farming so we can't be out and about in the car all the time. I have four other children but they're all working. She's a very sociable person and she enjoys meeting new people. I take her out in the car and she stays in the car while I go into do the weekly shop. I'm really struggling. She's up during the night and is getting very agitated when she realises that she isn't going back to her day services or that she isn't going out on an outing. And that's signed a distressed mother in North Cork. My God, I'm telling you some of the stories that are going to come out about what's going on in houses that people know absolutely nothing about could you get on to the to the I don't know where what service your daughter is going to and see can they offer you some kind of help because our initial listener has been on to St. Joseph's and they're doing their and they really are trying to do their best to help out people that are struggling just see if there's any kind of help Uh, available for you but my heart goes out to you, it really does. And Pauldrick in Glamworth says, well done to that lady that emailed your programme about her special needs, a child, I'm in a similar position. Imagine what it's like going from a child to going to school every day to being at home all day for six months, can't understand what's going on. When my daughter is off, which is just normally for the month of August, it can take about three to four weeks to get her back into the routine Where normal children, you can try and explain or even go outside and play to pass the time. We can't because my daughter is also a wheelchair user. I hope I speak for many parents of special needs children when I say we don't like to be ignored. We don't like to be forgotten about. Life is difficult for everyone but think of parents like us and that's from Porik in uh, Glamworth. uh Well said Porrick as I said we've raised the issue now with uh, Sean Sherlock and he's hoping to raise it at a doll uh, level and it's, let's see what comes out of that I suppose that's the the, the most we can hope for now Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. keep your questions coming for Annalise uh, please and in between the questions for Annalise now I've got Sadie finding out I don't know if she found out about this or not uh, yet uh, somebody was asking was Argos open because they needed to get Bluetooth speakers um, for their phone or, or Bluetooth speakers anyway uh, and I said no I couldn't see how Argos will be passed of the list of retailers that would be open today but somebody says yes Patricia Argos are open today I got an email from them last night also by the way to your listener the Bluetooth earphones are in little on a special buy today aren't our listeners great you might need to go to Argos at all (laughs) if you've got a local little nearby they've got Bluetooth earphones as part of their specials but anyway the sister says Argos I can't understand how Argos would come in under the list of uh, retailers anyway I've Sadie working on it just to get I'd want to get that absolutely confirmed that they are opened Uh, they may be maybe it's a a postal service maybe I don't know Anyway, um, somebody else says you can order Bluetooth headphones online from Curry's. That's from Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. So there are other ways to do it. But I just felt from the listener who contacted us he wanted to pop into Argus and get them himself I don't I don't know why but um, rather than do, not everybody is into doing online, not everybody likes doing online people like to go into local shops and local stores uh, as well and I'm always on about sh- shopping locally and Dennis says Patricia, I was in a well known shop in East Cork uh, shopping local and all of that and I found the item that I Needed. Now the item could easily be made in Ireland, but the particular one that I was picking up, the only one in the shop was made in China. By the way, this isn't an anti-China rant, says Dennis. But if I buy that item, uh, even if it was made abroad, am I still sh- supporting local, says Dennis? Absolutely, because you're supporting that well-known shop in East Cork. You're supporting the shop. By shopping local, you're putting money back into the economy. Now, the why Why did that person have to go to China? I'm assuming it's a cost issue. Everything gets made in China so much more cheaply than it gets made in this country. So therefore the person is buying it so that he can put it on his shelf at an affordable price so that you can go in and support. But shopping locally yeah, is going in the front door of a local shop if you can buy items that are produced locally as well, all the better for sure. Mag says, Patricia, NCT, National Car Testing, when are they back? No word, absolutely no word, no detail uh, on it. I'm assuming it's going to be the very end, I imagine, and when we get to the 10th 10th of August, listening to Shane Ross, because when Shane Ross was talking about the driving tests. The NCTs comes under his remission as well and there is no chance of them opening at the moment. John in says, Patricia, the obstacle stopping everyone is this social distancing. You can't go next or near anyone. This is okay when the pandemic is at its peak but look what it's after doing to businesses, to shops, to pubs and the latter to it, where it can't be done. Shops and pubs, social distancing. The only way in time is to uh, Relieve social distancing, and that's how we'll open back up uh, society. But then, how do we do that while the virus is still uh, raging and is still here? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how that is uh, going to happen. Uh, Mary says, hi Patricia, has anybody else noticed over the weekend a lot of summer houses had people staying in them. I live in a very remote area of West Cork. I've noticed quite a few in my area. And by the way, they're not UK registered cars. Kind regards from Mary. I know it came out that over Easter, looking at electricity usage in holiday uh, homes, it was 88% down on what it was for Easter of last year. So certainly people stayed away. Remember when the big... Word went out, please don't come near us for Easter. They certainly didn't. Whether they've started now as we're heading into May, whether they're starting to say, well, this is holiday season and they're moving back into their holiday homes. Technically, by the restrictions, they shouldn't be moving beyond five kilometres, but people are certainly getting around that for sure. Somebody who doesn't want their name called out, fine, says, I went for a walk yesterday evening. It was about quarter to six. I was in the Ballancolic area as I passed the rugby club. I couldn't believe what I saw. There were at least 10 youths playing football on the rugby pitch and there was many more standing around i found this completely unacceptable i can't believe the people are left gather in groups like this thank you for reading out my text but please don't mention my name so there's a lot getting involved and that, well i think it's always been there i think the majority of us are abiding by the rules but there'll always be the the majority do it the minority won't do it and what do you do for the minority I don't know I mean as somebody once uh, says we're trying to get a vaccine for COVID-19 we'll never get a vaccine for idiots and I just don't know how we just have to keep going with the majority doing it and I think the powers that be that accepts that that's how we will control the virus if the majority of us uh, play ball and I spoke earlier uh, when we had an email in about a massive funeral with no social distancing that went on in uh, Charleville and a number of people are commenting on that and other similar funerals and an email in says uh, Hi uh, Patricia with regards to that funeral in Charleville over the weekend it's not the first case where breaches of the guidelines have been flawed. During a time when we're all asked to make sacrifices it's now blatantly obvious that there are groups within this country who feel that they can do what they like. They don't support any social distancing they don't observe any guidelines or are in effect they seem to be a law unto themselves. It is more obvious now as the country was paused and we all stood together while staying apart. No group has a monopoly on grieving. We all have our traditions and our rituals and these are all the more evident when somebody within our community dies. We all want to support the bereaved and help them through the grieving process, but we can't at this particular time. We follow best practice and do as we are asked to do for the common good. If anyone comes out and says anything about this flouting of the guidelines, we're called racist. We don't understand their traditions. We don't respect their way of life. Lives. Well, Patricia, they have now shown that they have no respect for anyone living alongside them. They don't care about anybody else's rights to expect that we are all in this together. Patricia, it works both ways. It's not a one way street. Respect is earned. And these have shown that the respect given to them has been thrown back in the faces of those campaigning on their behalf. It has made people so angry. Uh, Patricia and no amount of backtracking now will help if this group wants to be treated differently then they have no right to shout about not being integrated into local community respect works both ways and that was emailed to Patricia at c103.ie The
1: C103 Cork Diary
2: with Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit
0: corkcoco.ie.
2: Kinsale GAA are running or walking for 24 hours in Native Pieta House. You're invited to join them between 7:30 a.m. and on next Friday, the 22nd, and 7:30 p.m. on Saturday, the 23rd. You can get your starting slot by contacting Pat on 086. Eight two five zero four zero six. Donations can be made to a GoFundMe.com Kinsale GAA Run 4 It's the number 4 Pieta A Malo GAA will fundraise for three local charities this month 65 players from Malo Hurling and football teams will run 19 kilometres within their 5K radius between 6am next Saturday and 6pm on Sunday. And they're urging people in the Mallow area to support their nominated charities. And what are their nominated charities? Mallow Search and Rescue, St Vincent de Paul and Autism Assistant Dogs by running, walking or cycling on those dates and donating to their GoFundMe page, which can be found, GoFundMe Mallow GAA 19K in Age of COVID-19 and the Mallow and Charleville branch of the Irish Red Cross will fundraise over the June bank holiday weekend to enable them to continue uh, to run their ambulance service for the coming year. You can also donate to them on a GoFundMe page the link of which is up on our web page on the Cork Diary section www.c103.ie.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on
0: replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: Cork today on Scene 103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Okay, and thank you to somebody who sent me on a screen grab of a text message that appears that's from Argos saying, right to update you on our plans to reopen some of the Argos stores in the Republic from Monday the 18th in line with the latest uh, guidance from the government. I just don't know how they fall under the heading of what is allowed to reopen hardware stores, builders, merchants, farming, up to retail involved in the sale, supply, and repair of motor vehicles, motorbikes, bicycles office products I know they would sell some of those items maybe that's how they're falling into it anyway we're trying to find out because it's not all the stores it's some of the stores Uh, so leave that with us we're trying to find out which ones are open and which are uh, not now lots of people are getting very creative with online and using things like YouTube to show you know their talent and work that they've been doing throughout the year people who normally would have been on stage are suddenly not on stage anymore including the great staff at Centre Stage in Mallow, and I'm told that Aideen McAuliffe uh, joins me. Um, good afternoon, to Aideen. Hi, Patricia. Good morning. Uh, you're you're welcome to the program. You were your group of very talented young people should have been on stage. Was it last night or Saturday night?
1: Yes, yesterday. We we were due to have two shows in Cork Opera House yesterday. Oh. We usually have one uh, a matinee at two o'clock and then another show at seven. And um, so there should have been uh, 800, well, approximately 800 students from the North Cork area heading up to Cork Opera House yesterday, full of excitement and hairspray and costumes. and But no, not this year. We have to wait for another year for that to happen. And this
2: would be your end of year sort of show, isn't it? Exactly. So this is kind of the highlight
1: of our year. We'd start preparing for this in September and um, pieces of dance, piece of music of theatre, song. Um, and children from the age of three all the way up to 18 would have been involved in the production.
2: And then um, Mammy, Daddy, Granny, granddad, everyone yes. up, the excitement of seeing their, yes. their little one up on the Opera House stage.
1: Absolutely. And it's a dream come true for so many of them. Uh, some of them do it once, some of them do it 20 times, yeah. but the excitement is always the same. You know. it's and such you,
2: a proud moment. And I'm assuming plans were well in place up to when you had to close in, in March. You'd oh. start it, work on it.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. Each class would have had two pieces prepared to go. Costumes were ordered from China and London and, uh, you know, we had backstage management plans, everything ready to to rock and roll. Um, But the 12th of March, unfortunately, all that shut down um, and we had to, you know, gather our thoughts and think, okay, what are we going to do here? And we decided We will go online, and we started our online classes. And we're into week eight of the classes now. And as of yesterday, we said we just can't let the day go without it. The children would be so disappointed. So we decided we would do footwork online. And footwork is the name of our interview show. Okay. And what intended on being just maybe a ten or fifteen minute piece. We said we might get the leaving thirst or, you know, a small a staff might do something. It turned into an hour and a half long show.
2: <laughs> well done. <laughs> and you put, is it up on YouTube now? So
1: it's up on YouTube now, exactly. Um, I think as of this morning, it had nearly close to 2,000 views
2: fantastic so, how can people find it on YouTube Aidan so
1: it's, on, it's on our YouTube uh, channel so it's just if you go if you go into YouTube and look for Centre Stage school Mallow it'll pop up there
2: wow that, that is fantastic yes. and of course some of your students go on to careers
1: yes they the, do the we stage. have a fabulous uh, history of uh, sending students on to the UK to further their their professional training in musical theatre or, or acting and this year we have, um, we've kind of written the history books in Central Stage. We have a class, leaving start class, with five graduating from Central Stage. And three of them have decided to go into uh, the career professionally. And um, Darry Healy Fitzgerald from Miss Griffin, he's, or from Miss Carroll, he's going on to Brighton. Uh, to study there and Emma Norton from Newmarket she's going on to Edinburgh and Katie Gallagher from Burnford is heading to uh, Teleconte in London
2: isn't that fantastic
1: yeah very Uh, exciting all
2: all on hold at the moment though because nobody really knows what's happening is it I know I know but I
1: mean the big part for those Students is to get accepted, and thankfully their auditions were successful. And M only got her place
2: there last Tuesday, so Brilliant. we're thrilled for that. Brilliant! <laughs> it's it's fa- it's fantastic, and they're a very talented uh, bunch, as indeed are ye guys and gals who who teach them. And I know if I spoke to any of the young people who've come through Centre Stage, they'll talk about uh, all of these you teachers. You're, you're you're fantastic, and and you're very dedicated. And I imagine you're missing it hugely.
1: Oh. Her hearts are broken, Uh, you know, Patricia. I mean, it's what we love to do, but we're so grateful for technology and we're so grateful for how the children have engaged in the online classes. Um, You know, it's a precarious position for anybody in the arts as to, you know, where how is this going to go? When will we get back into a theatre again? But we have to be hopeful. And, you know, online productions like last night just goes to show that you can adapt and mm. with a good team behind us and we have an amazing staff team. I mean, none of us are editors by any means, but all of last night's show was edited by the staff. We were doing tutorials on YouTube, how to <laughs> you know, edit pieces here and there. and But we pulled it off and thankfully yeah. it was a success.
2: You learn very quickly, don't you? You do. <laughs> <We have to. laughs> you don't have much choice. So are you hopeful of September? Back tips, oh, we're back to some kind. We're, we're still looking at plans, you yeah. know. I mean,
1: social distancing with small kids mm. is always going to be difficult. But like that, we're going to have to use our creative brains and see how we can make this work. And um, obviously, class sizes will be a lot smaller, and we'll just have to
2: hope for the best you know yeah okay well people can can get a glimpse of what's been going on and how all the young people have, have been surviving lockdown by practising their pieces on uh, go to the YouTube on Centre Stage Just, and, uh, thanks for sharing that with us um, lovely and thanks for having us no Patricia. problem and thanks for joining us uh, bye bye and uh, well done to everybody involved in, in Central Stage in uh, Mallow they really are a very very talented bunch indeed the Minister for Health by the way has announced that uh, flu vaccines are to be made available without charge to all children aged between 2 and 12 and all in the at risk group Minister Harris confirmed all those in the HSE defined at risk group uh, aged between 6 months and 69 inclusive the flu vaccine will be available and obviously p- people over the age of 70 are already have access without uh, charges but the new there the new part to that, the flu vaccine is those children, they want children to get the flu vaccine this year free of charge between the ages of 2 and 12. A couple of teachers and teaching issues Um, Tony says I'm a teacher in West Cork and now this is when parents were giving out about how stressed they are about schooling at home and the homework. Tony is a teacher and he says now parents know how teachers feel every day and uh, maybe those same parents can stop complaining about teachers uh, not getting a pay cut. Remember last week when it was suggested that the teachers should have got the COVID-19 payment because they're not in the classroom. Tony's saying as a teacher you now know how tough teaching can be. And Michael says the schools were closed for a reason. If you can't look after your own children at home then you shouldn't have them. Oh that's a bit mean, Michael, isn't it? The schools should stay closed, says uh, Michael. Um, and Eileen says this is on elderly people. Oh, this is, Eileen feels this is a bit of discrimination going on here with the elderly people. She said if you buy your insurance online, anyone who's bought car insurance online will know, the companies encourage you to go online. And how do they encourage you to go online? They'll offer you a discount. It's usually like if you but if you purchase online, you get a 10% discount. And so we're, all, we're all into trying to save a few, Bob. So they're pushing you towards clicking, giving your details and paying online. Eileen reckons that that's slightly, that that can be a form of discrimination against older people because it's not all older people are tech savvy, even though we did talk about the ones that are today on the programme. And she just thinks it's unfair. Not all of them have access to the internet. That's a very valid uh, point. Uh, And whereas when they have to pay over the phone or go into the office, they don't get that same discount. And she just feels that it's that. It just smacks to her of a little bit of discrimination against older people and she thinks that is unfair. Tina says, Hi Trish, that woman who asked you to check out when were hairdressers and tanning studios opened, has she anything else to worry about? Only getting her hair done and getting on a sunbed to top up her tan while a lot of other people are trying to survive. Never mind the poor people out there with their special needs children who you've been highlighting and talking about today. My heart really goes out to them. They are fantastic parents. Uh, thanking you. And that is from Tina. Uh, who was thinking of all the special needs uh, parents? But yeah, for the special needs parents, they really are in a in a very very. Uh, difficult, difficult position at the moment but I suppose for Catherine she's only worried about her hair and her tan and that's her world and that that's, is what is concerning her. Somebody says thank you Patricia and uh, to those people who have contacted you highlighting the problems with special needs, uh, adults now living back at home with their families you are right, they are the forgotten people and they are the very, very vulnerable in our society. My family member who attended Cope in McCroom Monday to Friday is deteriorating in front of our eyes every single day isn't that dreadful thanks again Patricia we'll keep fighting on their behalf yeah that's all we can do just keep fighting uh, the fight. But shocking to hear anybody watch a loved one like that deteriorating in front of, uh, of their eyes. Uh, it really is. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. I can see lots of questions coming in there for uh, Annalise. We're going to get to her now. Just a moment. Just let me wrap up on some of the uh, texts. There was one in here that certainly is worthy of a mention. It was an ex- It's Christy giving an example of waste. He said, "I've been told of a state community hospital that had a." section of it which was previously run down. So it got refurbished and kitted out with 37 beds etc. Now I'm assuming this is for COVID-19, is it? They Anyway it got all kitted out with 37 beds etc. And wait for this, a TV set was installed with each bed. It's now lying idle with no staff uh, or anyone to use it at the moment. God, what, do they really need to, ask Christy, whatever we're doing it up, yeah. But do you need to, do you, do you really need to have... um a TV beside each bed and good morning Patricia says West Cork listener. I hope you're keeping well I have a question with regard to people who are cocooning the farmers markets are opening up again they are happy days for a lot of people my mother who has been cocooning has a stall at her local market my question is will she still have to stay at home or will she be allowed to open up her stall at the market I think she should stay at home but she's got other ideas I've been trying to find this out but I've no clear answer okay Going by the restrictions that are in place, a, a cocooner should should stay indoors. She can't be forced to stay indoors. That's the one thing that we have discovered throughout this. She can be advised and the advice coming from from Nefesh, the advice coming from the Department of Health, from the Minister any of the doctors we've spoken to, any of the health experts, the advice for your mother is to stay indoors at least until we get to the end of the cocooning uh, stage. Um, I would be fearful for her because and a particularly She's going to be dealing with the members of the public. She doesn't know when she's dealing with somebody if that person is COVID-19 positive. Remember, people can come and deal with her stall who will have absolutely no symptoms at all and then the next day will discover that they've got COVID-19. But going by the restrictions, no she's not meant to set up her stall but it sounds like you're going to have a little bit of a job on your hands trying to get her to stay home. 1850 333 Let me take a break and we're going to oh we're going to come back uh, with Annalise Drussell but I've just been given following government guidance this is the Argos stores they are reopening Blackpool and Maham are on the list to open their stores open from uh, today so thank you to Sadie for clarifying that ok take a break and we're back with Annalise Record today on C 103
1: Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment
2: 086 and Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic joining me uh, good afternoon, Janalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you doing? Are you still in restricted hours? No, we're back no? to normal hours now. Oh. I'm
4: hoping that um, things are starting to get back to normal. So we're open again Monday to Saturday from 10 to half 5. But for people who are still on lockdown, Patricia, we can um, you know You're chat posting. Over the phone or we can post stuff
2: you out. You can as post well. stuff out yes. as well. And we've been talking this morning about him. And today is the first day of lifting restrictions. Are you noticing more people out and about?
4: Um, strangely, I thought I'd see more Patricia, but no.
2: Yeah, yeah people no, it, are still. it was
4: much busier last week, so I think people got, maybe got a little bit of a pre-lift.
2: Yeah, yeah, to
4: easing. Um, but um, I suppose you know, I suppose where people will see it will be. Um, you know people going back to opticians and people going back to kind of essential services I'm sure they're very busy today and I was thinking myself I'd love to go to the um, garden centre but I think I'll give it a few days because I'd say there's probably <laughs> queues outside those
2: yeah, I'm saying the same thing myself I think a lot of people I think the weekends are going to be rather busy at the garden centres. Okay lots and lots of questions in for you let me start with this one Hi uh, Patricia could you ask Annalise a question please? I take aspirin 75 but I'm suffering from a very dry mouth and I seem to be thirsty a is there anything else I can take the reason for the aspirin is to do with platelets it's an issue with platelets
4: yeah so aspirin is a very good blood thinner Patricia and that would be you know if you had too many platelets and your blood became clotty and sticky it can help to thin it so there would be natural things that can thin the blood but they're not as I suppose the, the good thing is, is about the aspirin is generally you know this dose of aspirin will thin the blood X amount so you, you get the required thinning whereas with natural it's a little bit more experimental so the things that would work instead would be things like fish oils the omega-3 fish oils are very good to thin the blood and this is why actually most people are recommended if you're on a very serious blood thinner like warfarin or heparin or any of the others that you don't take these at the same time turmeric is also a natural blood thinner um things like nettle would be very good for for the blood in general um let me see what else now would be good um coenzyme q10 is excellent um for heart health for blood health and for pinning the, um pinning the blood too but the only thing as i said is that it's very difficult to know if it's doing it to the right amount so i think probably in this case you're better off sticking with the aspirin
2: okay and but for the the would that be causing dry mouth and thirst though it's
4: there is it could be a side effect patricia definitely and um, the only way to do to know really i suppose is to stop it for a week which would be safe to stop it for a week you would it would you wouldn't yeah. um, get a bad build of platelets in that time and to see did the side effect wear off um and then you'd know that it would be um there's lots of side effects to drugs patricia and some are very uncommon but yeah. people do get them and the only way to know is to stop the drug for a little while if it's not life-threatening and check it out and see. And, you know, you could always take the fish oil and get your blood tested regularly to make sure it's doing the right job if you decide to stop taking an aspirin.
2: OK, and a listener wants to know, should I take my coenzyme Q10 tablet at night with my statin or does it matter?
4: No, it doesn't matter. Um, and I actually think it's probably better to take it in the daytime because it needs to be absorbed in the system and your body's not very active in terms of absorption at night because generally we've done most of the absorption that we're going to do for the day the digestive system is kind of shutting down at night so um, coenzyme q10 is an essential nutrient for your energy pathways particularly so uh, the statin drug can Stop your body's ability to make it so you may become deficient and that's why a lot of people get the side effects such as muscle weakness or forgetfulness and it's because the cells in your brain and in your muscles don't have enough to produce the energy that are required to do the job. So taking it will make up that deficiency and it doesn't matter whether you take it with the drug or whether you take it first thing in the morning, you're putting it back into the body. So I would suggest that you take it either with your breakfast or your lunch in the daytime.
2: Hi, could you please ask Annalise what can I take for stomach bloating? I've taken bloaties, but it doesn't really help. I kind of feel it coming on not long after eating.
4: So I think probably in this case, Patricia, the best thing to do is possibly take a digestive enzyme. So it's possible that if you're not digesting fully, maybe carbohydrates are are very fibrous foods, for example, a lot of people, most of us will experience with beans, you know, a lot of bloating and wind with beans. So that means that the bacteria are actually fermenting the fiber and the carbohydrates of the fiber in your gut, and it's producing a lot of Air, which gives you the bloating so I would try a digestive enzyme and um, that would be a good start a lot of people find as well that the activated charcoal is very good for for bloating and trapped wind you could try that now the thing with that is that it does take care of the trapped wind but it's not doing anything to fix the reason that you're getting the wind um, so you have to take it with every meal and it will be an ongoing thing whereas the digestive enzyme actually will sort of sort the problem out at the root level The other thing you can do as well is you could put in a probiotic. Uh, There's a particular one made by a company called Optibac, O-P-T-I-B-A-C, and it's actually called One Week Flat. So it has a particular probiotic bacteria in there that's very good to prevent bloating. So you could try any of those to see will they work.
2: Could you suggest, please, a name of a shampoo for itchy scalp and could I have the phone number of the shop, please, As for Mags? OK, give us the give us the shampoo first and then we'll get the so number. The
4: shampoo. So the best I always recommend that people take a shampoo that has no sodium lauryl sulfate in there to make sure that you're not allergic to that and reacting to it. So any of the Faith in Nature are good. Uh, one of my favorite ones is the Salcura Omega Rich Shampoo because that's really, really good for dry and itchy scalp and there is no sodium laurel sulfate in there. Um, so try that and if that doesn't work then it's probably more likely to be a dandruff issue. And with the dandruff issue I think um, the one of the best things is the grapefruit seed extract. You can buy it in liquid form. It's called Citricidal C-I-T-R-I-C-D-A-L and that it is very very powerful natural antifungal so you can mix that in with your regular shampoo and it'll kill the fungus that causes the dry scalp and itchiness so either of those remedies and the number of the shop is 021 110 and we're on facebook as well if you want to look us up all our contact details are there and the facebook page name is health hub store
2: Okay, thank you for that. Hi, where's my question uh, gone for Annalise? There's so many questions coming in mixed in with... Um, oh, this is one. Um, um, Anne says, hi, I am suffering from a hiatus hernia. The meds I'm on from the doctor really is not agreeing with me. Is there a natural alternative?
4: There are some natural alternatives. Uh, you might need to try a few to see what works best for you. So with a hiatus hernia, what happens, Patricia, is that the bit of the stomach actually pr- protrudes up through the diaphragm um so it can be very painful um in terms of like a feeling of uh, of massive indigestion a lot of people will end up getting heartburn because the acid is being pushed up into the um into the stomach pipe um so a lot of the medications for acidernia are um af- uh, acid suppress are acid suppressants so the natural alternative is to take slippery elm and slippery elm is kind of very mucilaginous it's gooey and gloopy and it coats the whole Um, the the, um, esophagus and it coats the stomach with a lovely big thick layer of that glue and protects it from acid. So you still get the acid and the benefits for digestion etc but it doesn't cause any pain. The other thing as well with high aceternia is you're actually better off to split your meals into between six and eight very small meals because uh, the less you put in your stomach the less pressure there is on the pushing up. So smaller meals are better And then elevate your bed at night time. So what you might want to do is you might want to put some books or blocks under the top two bedposts or whatever, the top part of your bed anyway, so that the whole bed is elevated up. And then at night time, the acid isn't coming back up, causing the pain. So they're all things naturally to manage your hiatus hernia.
2: Mary says, hi, I've got Reynard's disease in my hands. Very painful. Can Alonzo's help?
4: I'm not sure what Alonzo's is.
2: No, it could be spell check. Um, now has has yeah. got it or something else. But why so would you suggest for to Reynard, this? So
4: with Raynard's, it's um, it's a condition where the tiny, tiny capillaries that feed blood and also then heat to the the tips of the fingertips shut down in cold weather or in other you know environments, and so you're not getting blood to the fingertips. They go white and numb, and they feel very, very cold. The first thing I would say there actually is the omega-3 fats because firstly, they will protect the tiny capillaries. Secondly, they keep the blood nice and thin. So at least when it is circulating, it is able to quite easily move through smaller blood vessels. The other thing that some people find very beneficial is horseradish and garlic. Garlic, again, is a great blood thinner and the horseradish is very warming. Um, And you might want to use something like, um, you know, like a, a warming rub on their hands. So the pernitol, gel. It's spelled P-E-R-N-A-T-O-N gel. You can get a hot one of those. It's got, it's got some cayenne pepper extract in there. I'm a big fan of it myself for my muscle pains. And you could rub that into the hands and you get this fantastic warming sensation. But by God, don't rub your eyes afterwards <laughs> because you would be in trouble.
2: Be very careful. Listener says, hi, have you heard of a product, Annalise heard of a product called Joint Fuel 360?
4: Yes, it's very much advertised on um, the internet, Facebook, Patricia. That's so exactly to, what this yeah. listener
2: is, is saying. I don't know is it safe to buy from the internet. My joints and muscles are stiff and painful and it looks great. I'm wondering about it.
4: You know what? It's not a bad product, Patricia. One of the problems with those is that I don't know what, they've got very good ingredients but I can't figure out what strength those ingredients are in. So they could have a good level of those ingredients or they might have not. So um, I've had a lot of questions about it, a lot of people inquiring about it. So the one that you can buy in the shop and you don't have to sign up for a three-month supply and it's actually cheaper is the Salgar 7. Um, You'll get it in any health shop. It's just called Salgar and there's a big 7 on the box. That's a very good one and it's got mostly the same ingredients in it. And I do get very good feedback on this in the shop as well, Patricia, for joint pain. The other one that's not... Exactly the same, but it's kind of along the same lines, is the Pucca Turmeric Active um, joint su- supplement as well. So if you can't get the Solgar 7, try for the Pucca Turmeric Active one. But the Stalgar seven is the closest in terms of the ingredients.
2: Okay. I have a listener says I've got very bad diverticulitis with diarrhea. Any advice? Much appreciated. Oh, oh it's suffering. awful. And
4: actually you can be in terrible pain with it as well. So one of the things I'd recommend first of all is to try and cut out and this is not advice now for every for anyone except for when you've got really bad diarrhea with diverticulitis because it's about reducing the fibre in the diet. Um, just for the period of, of the infection when you're going through a bad flare. So try and eat foods that have that are quite processed, I suppose, really, so that you know, you're know you not getting a lot of fibre into the system. And then the fibre that you do want to put in is the psyllium husk. It's spelled P-S-Y-L-L-I-U-M. You'll get it in any health shop. You can also buy it in a drum um, under the trade name uh, Lepicol Plus, and you might be able to get something like that in a pharmacy. It's the same thing. Um, And that is very good as a soluble fiber. It makes the stool very soft and easy to pass, but it brings a bit of form to it. So it's good if you've got constipation or diarrhea. But when you've got diverticulitis, it can help with the diarrhea. Some people find that the Alflorex probiotic is wonderful for that as well. That one is the one that's made here in Cork and it's spelled A-L-F-L-O-R-E-X. And you'll definitely get that in pharmacies as well as health shops. Um, So I would try a combination of the two of those with a very low fibre diet until you get back to normal um, and then try and introduce the fibre slowly to see how much you can manage.
2: Okay, and if just finally, Rachel says, Hi ladies, BioCult 14 strain, really good for the gut. Uh, Love the show. Um, Is it BioCult 14 strain? It is, yeah. Yeah. BioCult is a
4: lovely one. It's a nice general one for um, everyday use. But the thing I always think about uh, the probiotics, Patricia, is that it, if you plant the same seed in the garden all the time, you're just going to get the same strain of flour or lettuce. You need to actually plant multiple strains. So if you like taking a probiotic on a regular basis, try and take
2: different Mix it bran- up every yeah. month that's a, good, that's a good suggestion Listen have a good week and we'll talk to you next Monday Thanks, Thanks for that Annalise Giselle of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. and before we go just a quick couple of texts uh, Trish you mentioned last week an oil that you can rub on your glasses to stop them fogging up with your mask what was it? It wasn't an oil it was a suggestion that came in you put um, washing up liquid you put washing up liquid on the glasses rub it in neat washing up liquid and then you clean it off and you get nice shiny glasses but uh, also it'll give you many many hours without your mask, without your glasses fogging up because of the mask and a couple of uh, texts the lady who is waiting to get a sunbed, what the hell I thought all sunbeds were banned in Ireland, no they're not Uh, Priorities please says this uh, texter and someone else says, Patricia, I heard you on about driving test appointments. Well, I have an appointment for the my not for my LDL, LDL for driving license. Um, I've had to rebook it. Yeah, uh, they're all cancelled at the moment. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Sadie and to Bernie for taking your calls. We are back with you tomorrow morning at at ten o'clock. Until uh, then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Have a lovely afternoon. Stay safe.